to another episode of Guide Live B2B Jail Session. That song that you're just listening to is Battle Scars, All You're Gonna Get by Lil Loca, Anthony B, and Anthony B. Quinones, I think is how you pronounce his name. That is currently one of my favorite jams. In fact, I heard it while watching the announcement of a Nigerian startup that recently was acquired by PayPal. You probably have heard their name. They're called Paystack. They were recently acquired for $200 million by PayPal, by not PayPal, I'm sorry, by Stripe, the Stripe Mafia. Shout out to Paystack. That's an amazing, amazing, amazing announcement. Amazing win for the diaspora. And also anyone that wants to build a technology company that is growing, that's, that's literally building in the, in the developing economy such as Africa. So much love to the Paystack team. Amazing, amazing win for the entire technology ecosystem, specifically the African technology ecosystem. Much love to Paystack, sending the CEO, the founders, the employees, my heart, my love, and just recognition on such an amazing win for everyone who is in tech. Amazing, amazing, amazing. With that said, I have a really amazing guest today. My buddy Steve is on. He's a man. He's been managing enterprise SaaS software since 2013, literally. This guy's been in the weeds for a minute. He loves product and agile. He's a huge technology purist who I've gotten the fortunate opportunity to follow and learn from on my LinkedIn feed for quite some time now. In addition to that, he loves coffee. He loves coffee. We love tea. He loves coffee. We're friends. <laughs> we mix. With that said, you know, I'm so excited to talk to Stephen. Just dive deep on this session of Guideline B2B Jam session with him about this idea that technology is now becoming a commodity. You know, Steve responded to a post that I shared about it on LinkedIn, and he was he was grateful enough and really made time to actually come on the show and talk to us a little bit more about, you know, where he sees technology going and how technology technology is being commoditized. But some of the ways that 
companies can take advantage of this commoditization and what does it mean for the next seven to 10 years? So, you know, you're going to hear Steve and I just riff down about this and you're going to hear a little bit more about Steve and how you got started in tech as well. With that said, let's bring Steve onto the show. Steve, what's up, man? Oh, thank you so much, Tim. This is this is truly awesome. This is my first time ever being on a on a podcast, and, and I am I'm jazzed and ready to go. Um, yeah, but thank you tech, so much for joining us, man. Yeah. So so yeah, you know, you posted on technology as a commodity. And there's probably about a dozen companies in the world that that could really use technology to differentiate you know when you get into like the ibm watsons and the supercomputers th those are the ones that can differentiate with technology yeah but what we're seeing is that these other companies are, are figuring out other ways to leverage the technology that's available through cloud to to oh. you know differentiate on experience and accessibility uh, what one of them for example that that i've been following a little bit recently has been Robinhood. Yeah, and they've brought the, this idea of making investing accessible to everyone and have exploded. And you know, they built a mobile-first platform from the ground up, made everything easy, tons of notifications. Um, they're, they're competing against some of the legacy providers, you know, mm -hmm. Charles Schwab, e Trade, what have you, who who have these older platforms that have been around that have been you know designed from PC, and, and it's harder for them to kind of pivot to the, this mobile um, engaging platform that, that Robinhood has. And what, what you're seeing is that, that Robinhood was able to go in and disrupt because they've made that industry accessible to everyone through this platform, triggering alerts, understanding the market. They have that dedication to understand, hey, what are the problems of these people who are out there that, that want to get into the stock market, but but they can't? What, what are the impediments that, that we can remove hmm. to really drive them to, toward using this platform? And, you know, a lot of it is knowledge and a lot of it is accessibility. And they've done a great job in building that platform. And to the untrained eye, it might look like they're differentiating on technology because they've built this brand new platform that does all of this cool stuff. But really what, what, what they've differentiated on has been the experience for their users and ultimately how they, they access the ability to trade. Mm, mm. You know, let me ask you, you know, how do you think UX, and before I even dive in, and you know, Steve, I'm so excited to be having this conversation with you, man. You know, every time I do these podcasts, it's always my favorite opportunity because I get to learn from amazing people yourself want to show love to mr edward adebotay okay i forget my, my my african brother go pay stack peerless go pay stack they're winning want to show love to dominique what's good dominique the key word is disrupt that's our favorite word here on the guy live b2b jab session we're always disrupting something also want to show love to dominique who is dancing around <laughs> right now in her place so because she's so excited about the conversation Shout out to my boy Mahmood, Mahmood vibes, DJ Tim, man, Mahmood. Hey, I'm, 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 get, I'm leveling up my DJ skills like you, homie. Thank you so much for your love, Mahmood. Appreciate you. And thank you all so much for tuning in. Hopefully, if you're in the building, you're tuning in now or later. Show us some love in the comments. With that said, back to my question, Steve. You know how important has user experience design, and you think you know really focused on accessibility has played in the democratization of technology like we're seeing now? Yeah, I, I think that's where 
Um, it, it all starts with if you can make something easier for somebody that they're inherently going to do it if they have a little bit of a desire. I remember, you know, when I first started thinking about trading, I was like, I, I would have had no idea how to get an account set up and, and yeah. go through that. And it's like, oh, I, I have to call somebody. I mean, who calls anybody to, to do anything nowadays? <laughs> you, you, you want to do it online. You want to do it fast. You, you don't really want to talk to somebody. You want to be able to figure it out on your, on your own. And, and you know, that that was one of the things that, that you know, they, they removed those impediments. So, so they were able to differentiate themselves on that. They, they've got a business model on the back end where they're they're making, you know, they, they, effectively their profits because they, they go and sell to like a, a middle market trader who's actually getting the stock. Mm -hmm. so, so that's where they're, they're getting their cut is just on sheer volume. So for, for Robinhood in particular, they, they've, they've really come in with, with a different approach to it, figured out how to build up their user base, and, and they're, they're taking off. Now, obviously, you know, they're running into some challenges with, with security and, and mm -hmm. how locked down their platform is, and, and that's something that they're really going to have to work through to, to um, protect their user base on. But, but they've built such a, a big user base that I'm sure they're, they're a target for, for quite a few, uh, quite a few maybe bad actors. Mm, mm. It's true. It's true. You know, and I think a lot of companies are struggling with security right now in today's day and age. You know, one of the reasons why I think I'm so excited about what you're saying, Steve, is the fact that you're touching on something. There's been a behavioral change that demands that, you know, technology companies now have to think about accessibility first. But in addition to that, you know, no company is really, there's no such thing as special technology. Even the technology that Robinhood is, uh, is is using, it's not special, it's been around, but what they've really done is you're talking, you're touching on is that they've made it beautiful to use. And more importantly, they've made it more accessible in a mobile app format. Because if you've got, if you've used E-Trade or any of those other trading platforms, they are awful. They're like 1960s awful. I've seen them. I've used them. The Fidelities, they're so bad, like 10 times bad. But Robinhood is 10 times better. But there's so many companies now that are providing a 10 times better user experience. Amazing brand. And, you know, one of the things I mentioned in my post was the fact that I think that's how often how companies are differentiating now. A great brand, great founders, great employees, but more importantly, they're offering a really great product to market. So I want to touch, I would touch on with you, Steve, you know, for the, you know, in the future of work, there's a lot of companies in the space who are popping up now, especially given COVID. You know, what are some of the things that excites you about what we're seeing in the future of work landscape and how it's making, how do I say this, career fulfillment? And I think uh, helping employees take more control of their careers and making that more accessible. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you get into career fulfillment right now, um, I think that the shift that we've seen there, really, you can give a lot of credit to LinkedIn. Mm. But if, if you think about 20, 30 years ago, how, how do you get a job? That, that's the problem I want to solve. Yeah. You know, you, there, you probably had to know somebody. You probably mailed them a resume. Um, through snail mail, right? It, it was, it, it, this, this is how people used to get jobs, right? Like, it, it wasn't, it wasn't the instantaneous, you know, okay, here, my resume is online in this platform, you can find me, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm out here for everyone to see what my skills are. 
and that has really, to me, in, in that career space, led to a lot of fulfillment. Just in the fact that we we ourselves are are so much more visible than we would have been twenty years ago. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. So the visibility has changed things, and also I'm seeing a lot of tools now, um, especially around the creator economy, that are really changing things up. Um, in fact, you know, I feel as if one of the one of my favorite tools that I'm using currently is a tool not called it's called uh, it's called Super Peer, which essentially allows you to get paid to give advice for like 30 minutes to an hour and you can charge for it. Right. And it's probably one of my favorite apps right now as a remote worker, as a remote CEO, but also as just a, a, a like a freelancing CEO, too. Right. And it's like apps like that are completely kind of changing. I think the the ecosystem around, you know, what does it mean to have a job or multiple or multiple gigs when you can just kind of price yourself and literally sell yourself on the market like it's nobody's business. Yeah, I mean that, that's crazy. Just the the different types of platforms that are popping up. I, I think I, I don't remember what it was called. I, I saw one the other day where similar concept, but if you're working at a big tech company, you, you could price out your ability to do a referral for somebody. Mm. Um, and, and the company would take a little cut. You say, yeah, I, I'll do a refer, referral for you and, and you can pay me 50 bucks for it. And, and it, 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 you know, the, the, these big tech jobs that there were so much money a year, people are like, whatever, I'll, t- I'll take that chance to, to have an opportunity to better differentiate myself and, and pay the, the $50 fee or whatever it was to, to get my resume in the door through, through a network of, of people who will recommend me. Um, and, and when you just start to think about how things are changing, mm. um, all these companies are, are becoming uh, so, so good at, at really the, the the way I like to think of it is the job market is a market and, and there's mm. there's a lot of inefficiency when you talk about how much is a company willing to pay somebody total benefits package right for versus for, from one area to another and, and how do we based upon the, the outcomes that we see, get the right people into the right jobs. And, yeah. and that's changing so fast. I mean, you, you think about it 30 years ago um, with, with, you know, baby boomers retiring, they spent their, their entire careers at one company. Well, well why'd they do that? Because they, they didn't have an opportunity to go somewhere. And, and I know the millennials get this knock that, oh, they're at this company for one or two years or that company for one or two years. And, you know, it, it, it's different. But it's different because that opportunity exists to move around and to improve your situation. Career mobility is a thing now. Right. And it comes down to the job market itself becoming a more efficient market, finding the right people for the right jobs and where they're flowing into. And technology, which is accessible to everyone, has played a huge part in all of that. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I remember I talked to the CEO of um, Incredible Health. Um, Iman Abu Zaid, and she was just sharing a little bit about Incredible Health and how they really built a vertical um, marketplace for nurses to be able to find gigs consistently, long-term gigs consistently, and how that's changing um, the the livelihoods of some of these nurses that they support. And platforms, just vertical marketplace platform like that, are transformative for an industry 
and a job class where it's really hard to find um, repeat work um, and consistent work. And, you know, to your point, you know, the marketplace um, for job searching, no matter your, uh, even maybe in the toughest industry, such as like mining or even, uh, or even farming, it's actually, it's much better than it was 10 years ago. So, you know, we're definitely seeing a huge ecosystem change there. Yeah, when I was at GP, um, one one of the things that, that we were starting to focus on um, was I, w- I was product manager for, for a learning uh, e-learning platform that they had LMS, technical content, um, customer support. And we, we were initially deployed to a lot of, of power plants in the energy industry, um, but but the way that industry was shifting, we, we needed to start building out our technical content around renewable energy and wind farms, mm. because that was for that for the energy industry. That was the hot job was hiring these wind technicians, hiring solar technicians, um, so, and and they wanted to give them a component of technical training that that really didn't exist in the way that um, would have fulfilled their needs in in the marketplace. Uh-huh. And, you know, you, you could kind of look at it in a sense that, that people could get these wind technician certificates from different colleges, but it, it wasn't necessarily a hands-on experience. It didn't really talk about the equipment that they're interfacing with on a day-to-day basis. Um, it kind of talked about the concepts of wind energy and what they were doing, but not necessarily like, okay, this is a turbine. This is what the turbine does. Yeah. Um, and, and get into the details of what they need to know while they're on the job. Um, so, so we were starting to shift into into that gap um, to, to really fill out some of that energy because, you know, they're, that was a hot job. That, that's what everyone was looking for, these wind technicians, you know, in, in the middle of the country um, where, you know, jobs aren't, aren't, they're not the coastal technology jobs. Um, but but that's the hot job in that particular area. So so how are you going to bring those people up to speed, and how is it that you're going to um, pr- provide them the training so that you can get people in here who are capable of doing these? Mm, 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 so important. It's so important, and, and it's funny because I think uh, getting people in and training them is going to be you know it's one of the biggest gaps that we're solving for a guy with our with our product. But it's only going to widen. Um, as uh, I think the, the remote workforce continues to grow and the contractual workforce continues to grow. want to show love to Dominique, who says, I agree with Steve, removing the complexity of the existing product brand process is the winning tool today. Much love to Dominique, who is a PharmD, BS Farm, RPH. I don't even know what some of those abbreviations mean, but it lets me know that you're a stellar, amazing, amazing woman. Dominique, thank you for your attention and showing us love today. Um, want to show love to Lucas, Mr. Keen. I can attest to this. I'm currently a student and have been able to move into an ownership role at an existing software company, as well as pioneer my own flexibility of technology teams is very powerful. Any thoughts on this, Steve? Oh, I, you know, absolutely. Um, be, being able to, to be remote has been critical. Um, I remember before the pandemic hit, I, I was over at Pearson and I was doing product ownership with my agile team. Um, and, and what we ended up, what I ended up doing, the, the office was, was probably like a five minute bike ride from my house, right? <laughs> so so I, could, I could get there really, really easily. Um, but, but what they ended up doing was, was they, they wanted to consolidate their, their real estate space. 
Mm. So, so so they they took three offices, consolidated it down to like one headquarter type office where, where people would go in and it was all open desks. And you know what what it effectively did was it created a, a central location where if you had some meetings and you wanted to see people face to face, you you'd go into the office. But for the most part, I just stayed at home and worked. Yeah. Um, be, because I had a better setup, you know, it was, it was actually really noisy when you went into some of the, the common areas that, that they had desks for you, um, in that office. So if you're, you're doing any kind of intensive work and you were on a loud floor or in a loud area, it, it was just particularly challenging. Um, but, but to the point, I think they, they were actually very well set up with, with COVID because when you think about commercial real estate and, and you think even to some extent business travel, right? I think COVID is going to be an accelerant to, to reduce some of mm. um, s- some of those expenditures because right now we're proving that, that we don't need as much commercial real estate. We, yeah. we don't necessarily, you know, the, the, the cost of making a sale isn't necessarily going and visiting someone on the other side of the country anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could just tweet them. We could just tweet them and hopefully they'll convert. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, it's 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 amazing the, the impact that we're going to see, you know, when we come out on the other side of this in, in terms of, of how the demand shifts for, for, for some of these commodities that, mm-hmm. that we, we've previously um, evaluated as essential. Yeah, so true, so true, Steve. Love the thoughts. Much love to Dominique, who's showing us amazing, amazing love. You know, Steve, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show, man. Tell us, what's your powerful takeaway for some of our guide community that's listening? On, you know, how can they how can they build something that, you know, really is a great equalizer for whoever they want to serve in terms of customers or whatever market that they're in? What, what would you recommend that they first do you know, uh, given your agile and product background. Absolutely. So, so for me, it's always started with what problem you want to solve. Um, mm. Early in my career, right, I, I've been in, in the hospitality industry, food and beverage. Um, and, and, you know, being in that industry when, when I was either waiting tables or bartending or later on when I was working at, at Micros that, that made a point of sale company, which later got acquired by Oracle, you know, what, what are sort of the problems that, that I always sort of played around with in my head was, what's for dinner, right? You know, when I was dating with my wife and, and you know, we're now married with, with one child, another one on the way, uh, we, we would always have these conversations. What do you want to do for dinner? Well, I, I don't really know. What, what do you want to do for dinner? Do we know anywhere that has like a good special, like, like just solving that problem of what's for dinner was something that, that I've always found particularly interesting because mm. you, you have those conversations over and over again. Um, <laughs> you do. And, 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 and you know, there's, there's lots of ways you can address it. You can start scraping restaurants for their specials. And, and it, it was always something that, that was kind of on the top of my mind in terms of, you know, here, here's a problem that's going on solved. So, so for somebody who wants to get into something, kick it off, figure out what that problem is that you're really passionate about um, and, and start digging into it and, and start playing around with it in your head and figuring out how is it that, that this problem can get solved and mm. talk to people about it. That, that, and then from there, everything else so, sort of falls into place. But for me, it's always started with the problem. 
Wow. That's so powerful, man. So if you're listening right now, you want to build something in the tech space when you're given market. Listen to Steve. Start with the problem. Literally, start with the problem. Literally, it's that simple. And I think often the, the best products to, to build are ones that solve really general, generally applicable problems. Even for us, we're solving a problem in terms of onboarding and training. That's a generally applicable problem that a lot of people have. Um, and it's a big market, regardless of who the players are in the market. But it's really those type of problems where you can uniquely be positioned to, to bring something to market that people will really, really adopt and can rally around and can really differentiate around. So shout out to Steve for that amazing insight. Yeah, and just, just one more quick thing on that one, Tim. Well, make sure you know your filters. So, so what I mean by that is when you've identified a problem that you think is important, what, what you want to do is you, you want to have your filters to, to kind of validate and make sure it's important. I, I had an opportunity when I was at Micros to go to some pragmatic uh, marketing product courses. Um, and the three filters they gave us were, is it urgent? Is it pervasive? And is the market willing to pay for it? So, so when you find something that, that meets all three of those, then you've got a problem that, that you should be spending time on. Mm. It's so true. It's so true. The market is willing to pay for it. It's a pervasive problem and it's urgent. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Right. right. And what, one of the examples of, of non-urgent problem that they gave us was think about the Y2K bug in 1980. Yeah, you need to fix it. Yeah, somebody's going to be willing to pay for it. But is it really a big problem in 1980? <laughs> Amazing example. Man, Steve, it's been such a joy having you on the show. Thank you for bringing your enthusiasm charisma as well as intelligence to our our show we definitely need to have you back on in the future steve and oh absolutely you, when time. you drop your book on agile product management <laughs> we'd love to have you on. <laughs> uh, with that said steve man thank you so much for joining us man appreciate you man talk to you oh, soon thank you it was a blast i appreciate it <laughs> and that was steve our friend steve on the show please make sure to check out steve he's super active on linkedin in fact We'll make sure that we share his LinkedIn profile with you on the show right now so you can connect with him and follow more of his insights on agile product management, but also, you know, his thoughts on where the future of tech and, and, and the work and future of work is going. Thanks so much, Steve, for joining us on the show today. With that said, that concludes another bite-sized podcast episode of Guy Live B2B Jam Session. If you have been rocking with us since the beginning of our movement and you're a day one Check out Big Black Tea. We recently launched BigBlackTea.com. We're so excited about this. I'm excited about this. We've been selling out every single day, every single week. And literally, I actually think we're going to sell out inventory by the time we go into Q4. So please go get out. Go get your BigBlackTea.com tea bags. You can get some Zen, which is our loosely black tea. Only 50 grams of black tea. But if you buy more than one, you can get more than 50 grams. In addition to, we have our Harmony option, which is more so our, wait, hold on. Yeah, it's our, it's our green tea. Our Harmony is our green tea, and this is our black tea. So definitely check out BigBlackTea.com. We are selling out in beautiful fashion, and it's only because we have an amazing, amazing, amazing movement of people who are truly supporting us in our journey. Also, once again, if you ever want to be on our platform and on an episode of Guy Live B2B Jam Session, once I am, we are super open to supporting you and allowing you to share your movement with us, literally, 
our platform is your platform. If you're doing something amazing, um, world changing, you're a part of our guide movement, please check out utfow.com, utfow.com. Sign up to be a guest. We'll definitely review it. And we'll definitely, definitely give you an opportunity to be a part of our platform. In fact, this November and December, we're going to take a break, take some downtime, <laughs> rest up a little bit, and we're going to be back stronger than ever next year in 2021, starting January with really, 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 I'm going in with our amazing guests weekly on God Live B2B Jam Session. All right, y'all. With that said, definitely check out guideapp.co if you want to be a part of our beta. We recently are adding additions to new creators. And more importantly, we're growing and we're getting better every single day. Much love to Dominique, who's saying, I'll be grabbing a bag today. Much love to you, Dominique. Really appreciate you, Miss La Fortune. I love your last name. Thank you so much for showing us love and supporting our guide movement and copying some big black tea.com. All right, y'all. Be well. And I'm not going to leave y'all out cold because, you know, y'all would hate for me to do that. In fact, I want to leave y'all out with literally my favorite song right now, once again, and it's the song that we started this podcast episode with, Battle Scars, All You're Gonna Get, and much love once again to Paystack, who just sold to Stripe for $200 million. Amazing moment for Diaspora. I would have sold higher, but hey, they got it done. Appreciate you. Shout out to the Paystack team. <laughs> Thank you.
Are you gonna get these battles? 